Hello again, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, a new podcast brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Each week, we will bring you a new interview with one of Hollywood's top directors discussing their latest film release this season. What makes this series unique is every director is interviewed by a fellow DGA member, someone who shares his or her lifelong passion for filmmaking and already understands what a director goes through every step of the way to making a film. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode features the Q&A you've been waiting for. It takes place in a galaxy far, far away as director J.J. Abrams discusses the seventh installment in the Star Wars saga, The Force Awakens. Set 30 years after the events of Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi, the film introduces several new characters to the Star Wars universe, while revisiting some of the most beloved characters from George Lucas's franchise. Director J.J. Abrams, a prolific TV producer known for his work on the television shows Felicity, Alias, and Lost, is no stranger to revitalizing longtime franchises. His first two feature films, Mission Impossible 3 and the 2009 Star Trek film, were successful reboots, which introduced new audiences to long-existing storylines. Interviewing Mr. Abrams is director and screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, whose name Star Wars fans will recognize as co-screenwriter for The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens. Mr. Kasdan is also a DGA member, having directed films like The Big Chill and Body Heat. Mr. Kasdan and Mr. Abrams spent many hours together while planning out the direction of the new film and their mutual respect for one another is evident throughout their discussion. We invite you to listen in on their exclusive conversation, recorded on the film's opening weekend in front of a fully packed house at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles. Thank you so much. Oh, my Lord. Thank you. And JJ thanked you, too, if any of that was for him. So we're going to do a, uh, first of all, Jay, do you know that there's another theater watching at the same time, and we're on camera over there, I think, I hope, so uh, it's not just these people, don't take their good reaction to be the whole deal, it could be, it could be booing in the other room. The other thing is we have enormous, um, we have to have energy because we don't have much time, there's, they want to screen this movie, which I've heard is good, again and again. All day long. And it did, the, it looked really good. I didn't yeah, it looked did, really yeah. good. It's a great theater. I love this theater. Okay, so there's a lot of things we can talk about. And um, I'm going to ask you something, and if you um, don't want to answer it, just answer some completely different question. Okay. And that'll be perfectly good. Um, you know, we've been hanging around a lot for three years, and I've been watching you direct this movie, and I'm really impressed. I think you have a future in this. I really do. <laughs> but uh, as much as uh, we've been together, as much time as we've spent together, as much details we've gone over again and again, there are things that still remain a little mysterious to me. And, and I think that you have an unbelievable facility for uh, blocking, for staging, for um, enormously dynamic um, feeling in the in the movie it's it's kinetic it's exciting but it doesn't seem ever frenetic tell me how you prepare as you go into a day how much do you have a shot list do you have 
boards that you depend on. I know you've done some previs, but I didn't have a sense that you did a lot of previs. Tell, tell me how you do that. All right, well, uh, first of all, I, I can't thank you enough for showing up today uh, and spending some of your weekend uh, with us and uh, also for that uh, remarkably generous uh, reaction. So thank you. I'll never forget that. Um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, um, who uh, I just have to talk about you for a minute as if you're not here. Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, is uh, is someone who, when when Kathy Kennedy first uh, approached and asked if I'd be uh, interested in working on Star Wars, the uh, one of the enormous uh, crazy surreal enticements was working with you and the idea that that we've gotten to work together. This last few years has been uh, just full of the most surreal experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, and to be completely honest with you, uh, to be here at the, at the DGA, um, sitting with you, talking about a Star Wars movie that we got to make together is impossible. So I can't thank you enough for, for that. Um, uh, thank you. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 the, the approach to, to doing scenes is, uh, like I'm sure for, for all of you, just it's always different. Um, depends what the scene is. It depends what the, uh, what the context is and what the intention is. Sometimes there are things that are you know, you go into it almost technically, where you think, okay, I know what it is we need to do, um, because there is a shot list, there is previs, there, there is, you know, there are storyboards, but to me, the thing that is the most um, exciting is is discovery moment to moment on on the set. And and I know that previs is incredibly valuable, and storyboards or thumbnails are, are incredibly helpful, and shot lists are, are great. Uh, a lot of that for me is about just figuring out, you know, the first approach. But it's like when you and I were working on the, the script together, you have to be open to the better idea. And the better idea is always right around the corner. And so, you know, you, you, you have to figure out what's the way you're going to approach the scene now, uh, always. And the now changes and you get to the set and you look at the light or you see an actor do something that you never would have anticipated or someone would have added something in set dressing that you never would have considered. And, and so I, I, I try to approach every scene from the point of view of like the master I'm serving is that scene in that context, you know, in that moment. What is the emotional uh, punch? What is the thing that will make it either, you know, funnier or, or more exciting? Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that, that working with you reminded me, and it was very hard to separate the original conversations we had about story and, and, and character uh, from the process of directing the movie. I thought that it, it always felt like one whole process. You, you reminded me again and again about uh, trusting the audience and trusting the characters. And it was that idea of restraint, uh, saying less. You know, we would be working on something and, you know, I'd write a whole thing and, you know, Larry would be like, you know, you don't need that. It's too much. Just, just cut out. Just take it out. Just trust the audience. You know? and, 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 and so I, I feel like it wasn't just in the, I'm going to do an impersonation of Larry like every three minutes. I can't help myself. I do it when I'm just with, with you, just hanging out. Um, but, but I think that, that that's the thing that is, um, has been very helpful too about saying less. So I'll stop answering this question now. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's a great way to talk about it. And, you know, and I've made a 
films where it's smaller and you you know you get in the room and say then the actress says I don't really feel comfortable sitting here at this table and you say oh okay great you know why don't you cross during that it's very different when you get on set and there are you know 500 extras and there's a star killer base and the um, transport has come in and Oscar gets off the transport and I've seen you do what I would do in a little dining room you say wait 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 let's change this whole thing. And well, but, it's kind of thrilling. Well, thank see. you. But a lot of that comes from, and it's a very weird thing, but um, this entire process has been, uh, in some ways, an exercise in denial. Uh, in denying that Disney just spent $4 billion on the thing. In de de <laughs> denying that, you know, fans of this thing uh, were going to kill me if they didn't like it. Um, you know, but d denying that I was one of those fans uh, that, that would kill myself. Uh, you know, d denying the pressure of actors who were agreeing to put wardrobe on again 30-some years later um, and, and who, you know, <laughs> did really well with those early movies and, and uh, were trusting us and me with uh, revisiting these characters. Tru you know, these new actors who were coming in, who had never done anything, whose you know careers could have you know and and would be defined in many ways by, of course, this this debut, um, and 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 also the trust that this enormous crew of, as you saw, thousands of people who spent time away from their families and working on this movie. I mean, it was it was an enormous thing, and so uh, in, in a way, you get to the set. There's that's one there's one shot where. Um, uh, before they go on their big mission at the end, and, and Poe comes down, jumps down from the X-Wing, and BB-8's going up, and he comes around, and, and Finn's coming over, and he pats his shoulder, and Finn walks off towards the Falcon. So we were on that set, and we were shooting Greenham Common um, in London, and, and uh, you know that shot wasn't a planned shot. And in fact, the weather was a little funky, and we were waiting for something to be ready to shoot. And it was just an opportunity. I mean, we did have these extras, we did have these actors, we were all, you know, we were kind of waiting for something, and we have Colin Anderson, who's perhaps the most extraordinary Steadicam operator uh, in, in history, and and so we just threw it together, but what it reminded me of it, it was exactly what you're saying, which is making a, a small film, making a student film, doing a, an episode of, you know, Felicity, where it's like you've got a few people in the dorm room, and you go, oh, you know, we could try, but the thing that I kept finding again and again and again was we kept having those moments. And it was so weird if you, if by allowing ourselves to deny it's Star Wars, holy God, what are we doing? By, by not being burdened by the opportunity um, and understanding, you know, or, or, or letting that be the guiding principle, it was a weird thing that, that despite the scale of it, we were able to move with a kind of uh, a, a speed and and lightness and it just allowed us to try things still sometimes scenes with a few people in a space but um that thing was what you just mentioned was real and it was partly because i think we were all trying not to focus on the enormous responsibility of it and, and more on the responsibility yeah, of telling I, a good story i think there's a lightness and it's infused in the movie because of that you know there isn't a sense of predetermination all the time there's a there's a kind of air in the in the filmmaking that I love, and um, when you are thinking about the next day, do you ever have trouble sleeping? Um, last night I did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous about this. Um, the uh, 
the honest answer is that sleep is not usually a, a problem for me. Um, I, I I could probably fall asleep uh, anywhere pretty quickly. But the, um, the sometimes this is what I'm haunted by: uh, the things that you think are going to go really easily never do, and the things that you think are going to be really a, a bear often end up being things that just kind of happen. And I just I it, it so like sometimes when I know that you know tomorrow's an easy one. I'm like, oh, I, li I lie in bed before I fall asleep. I just think, <laughs> this is no way going to go the way I think it's going to go. And then you get there, and sometimes it's an actor who's like, you know, I just don't know. You're like, <laughs> or, or other times, you know, you, you get there and you realize that the thing that you thought you were going to do, you're going to start here and get there. You go, oh, I can't really do that with a steady cam, or I can't really do a dolly, and the crane won't work. You know, and, then, and you realize, oh, the thing I thought was going to work just actually doesn't make sense. Or, you know, one of the things that was really important, uh, I know for for us in this movie was was very purposely going backwards to go forwards and to embrace uh, like literally a structure finding a character in the desert ending with a trench run do something that felt very much a very purposeful step backwards uh, in order to tell a brand new story with brand new characters and and clarity of story was really important um, there's so many movies some of which I find wildly entertaining and love but that have very confusing plot lines and I you know uh, I, I kind of love those things but this one I knew couldn't be that um, and I, I, I inspired by this opportunity to do this movie uh, working with you and this amazing crew I tried to stretch a little bit and 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 applied different uh, well it, it was a different again it was a different master to serve and knowing that Star Wars is a kids movie without being a kids movie um, I didn't want it to be too convoluted. So a lot of it was like about clarity, just visual clarity and knowing where you were going, knowing that Starkiller Base was always off to the right, knowing that, you know, the lines of action and, and, and making sure that things felt consistent. So sometimes I'd show up on set, you know, uh, and I'd, I'd have an intention and then I'd realize that it, it wasn't quite working for what this movie required. So to answer your question, it's like the things that were sometimes simple uh, ended up being more... Uh, tricky and and the complications, you know, were things that, that uh, I couldn't really anticipate, but I would know in in advance if I think that something's going to go very easily, it probably won't. And do you find that and this comes up for me all the time, and I think for everybody who does this, which is, do you find that your perceptions are not always correct? That the day you thought, uh, you know, you get the take, oh, that's fantastic, that's we'll never do better than that, that's great, you can get in dailies, oh, it sucks. Yes. And the thing you thought sucked is really good. Yeah. Well, that part doesn't happen, but... Um, <laughs> no, but the, the, it's amazing. Like, I, I will, you know, we'll go through something and do, you know, nine or ten takes, and we don't usually do much more than that. I mean, there was a point where 13 was our, you know, and, like, I knew it was a, a thing when, you know, we did a take, and I said, you know, that's it, let's move on, and, and, and Dan Mendel, DP, uh, collected some money. And it was because apparently that was take 13. And that's all I've been doing for like four weeks is, is take 13. But um, the uh, often I uh, would sit in the editing room with with Mary Jo and Marianne, the editors, um, watching something. And uh, and take one was great. And take two was less great. And take three was less great. And take four, you know, I'm like, what the hell was my problem? Like, you know, take one, you know, she killed it. That was an amazing performance. And I kept like pushing her to make it worse. Like... <laughs> Keep going, you know, you're almost bad. Keep going, it's... <laughs> you know, you, you, you've, um, you, did, you started 
by directing in television, but when you went into features, and this is only your fifth feature, but you started even with an enormous picture with Mission Impossible. And then you've done basically big pictures. You know, Super 8's a little different, but did you, what did you find different, aside from the weight of the franchise, aside from the history of this thing, did you find this to be a different experience for you than the last Star Trek, the Star Trek before? I, I gotta say, uh, because it's Star Wars, um, from the very uh, first conversation with Kathy uh, through this moment, it, it's been it's been so it's been so different uh, on every level, and and part of it is the responsibility that I feel, um, you know, having fall, fallen in love with what George Lucas created uh, when I was ten. I mean, I went to go see that movie like uh, many of you, and um, was just uh, you know I felt like. The horizons expanded, not just in terms of cinema, but life. It was this kind of reaffirming um, thrill ride that, like, it, it wasn't just fun. It was it was meaningful. It was spiritual. It was beautiful. It, it, it was it was moving. The adventure, the comedy, the design, the casting, the plot line, the music, the sound effects, the the, the techniques to tell the story visually. It was the first movie I'd seen as a kid where I didn't know what how they did it. I mean, up to that point, I'd started making movies, you know, when I was eight and, and like, you know, Super 8 movies. And so I knew, you know, I, I could see that was a matte painting. I was, you know, I was a, you know, one of many uh, eight-year-olds that were fans of Albert Whitlock in my school. But, uh, but I, I, you know, like, I'm sure like many of you, I knew what a matte painting or a miniature was. I knew, you know, how they did certain things. Star Wars, I didn't know how they did anything. Like, I couldn't understand it. It was, it was like the most amazing thing. But that wasn't even the best part. It was that it was funny, and it had this great, you know. So from the very beginning, this idea of of continuing this saga, being a part of continuing this saga, was such a a thrill. And and from working with you, having the um, every resource at our disposal, uh, you know, uh, having a scale. You know, one of the things I, I knew very early on was that feeling I had watching Star Wars, where it, you had these two droids walking in the deserts of Tatooine. It was real, and it was real because it was real. It happened to be Tunisia, but there were these, you know, Kenny Baker and, and Anthony Daniels were in their costumes on a practical set, and it was as real as anything in, in Lawrence of Arabia. It was just like, it was just, it happened to be uh, a movie that some people say is sci-fi, but is really more of a, of a fantasy than science fiction. And the idea that, that we could maybe bring that feeling back was hugely exciting to me. And so we decided very early on, we're going to travel as much as we could, build as many sets as we can. Uh, on the Pinewood back lot, we built these enormous uh, exterior sets. We built these enormous uh, in interior sets. You know, that whole uh, fight in the snow was a massive uh, set, the forest at the, at the end. Um, and, but then, like, some of the sets that even sort of look like their sets, like the forest where she meets up with BB-8, was entirely practical. I mean, all of that, you know, the ray of, you know, God light uh, coming down was just sunlight that was there because it had just rained. Um, so it, it was an amazing thing to get to shoot in Abu Dhabi and get to shoot on Skellig Michael in Ireland. And um, all this stuff that we were going to, we, we were getting to do, the people with whom, uh, you know, I was working, it was like, I felt like we were inheriting this thing that George had created that was impossible. And it was so precious. And yet the only way we could do our job was to not be precious about it. So it was a very strange process of inheriting something that we all loved. I mean, people on the crew, um, 
it was an amazing thing. Many had family members who had worked on the original trilogy. And so they were bringing this kind of like passion. And anyone who didn't have family who worked on it had stories about Star Wars that were as important. So the, the entire crew was like in this place of, um, you know, desperately wanting to do their emotions proud. It's a strange thing. They wanted to do something that was going to, you know, continue this feeling that they all felt. So to a person on the crew, you know, they would outdo themselves every day. Um, it's not to say that the crews on the projects I've worked on haven't been extraordinary. I, I feel lucky to work with everyone I've, I've worked with, except for two people. But the, um, <laughs> but the, uh, but 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 truly though, the, the the experience on this was never like anything else. Um, and uh, I, I could go on and on and on about all these different ways that's true, but it really is. And I'm I'm you know I'm just happy as you know you know when a movie comes out that there are going to be. Uh, people who don't like what you do, and that always is going to happen, of course. Um, what you pray is that there's going to be someone who does. And what I'm so happy about is that, uh, uh, that, that there are kids who I've been hearing about through friends who've seen this movie and are all excited, and, and girls who are dressing up like Rey, and, uh, and the idea that there's, you know, there are always strong women in, in Star Wars, but the idea that there's one at the center now um, is so exciting to me, and I just... And, well... That was Kathy Kennedy. When we first talked about, it, she said, "We're you know we're talking about the idea of having a this a female Jedi," and and I'd written um, some shows, Felicity and, and Alias, that had female uh, uh, female characters at the center. And I was the idea of a female Jedi was you know for some reason I thought, "Oh my God, there's a 19 year old kid out there who doesn't know who the hell Luke Skywalker is necessarily, who doesn't know." what's real, what's not, who's just this, like, she doesn't even know she's living in Star Wars. And what happens if that is our, you know, lead character? And it was just really, I don't know, from the very, very beginning, I know it's an endless answer, but from the very beginning, this, this experience was somehow in some very strange way, um, thanks to what George created, uh, remarkable and very, very special. Very, and I remember sitting very early in the production, sitting on the set and turning to each other and saying, you know, we already won on this one. You know, things can go horribly wrong. People can hate the movie. You know, there can be disasters. But the truth is, we were sitting there with, on the sets, everyone was costumed. We were surrounded by a thousand brilliant collaborators. And we had to say, you have to do that at some point and say, this is already, we already got lucky. We already well, been blessed. Uh, I felt that way. I, I mean, this is going to be sycophantic, but it's true. I I felt that way before production started. Uh, having gotten to work with you, that, that you know, I I remember thinking if this plug gets pulled, if something goes wrong, if it doesn't happen, whatever, it was already that. But I I do feel that way uh, about this experience. And and you know, Neil Scanlon, who did the creature department, uh, he was literally going into retirement. It was it was he was done. And uh, we called to say, would you be interested in working on Star Wars? And you know, he was like, oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> and I will tell you, like, you know, like for that, that one shot, that long shot that comes into the castle and that red uh, robot goes by, you know, that red robot was there. It was a woman on stilts, uh, you know, and she goes by and then you go up to the castle and, you know, it tilts up and comes back down and then it goes in. Um, you know, there were three separate shots, but we, we blended them all. But when you go in, you know, every creature in that room was real. They were all, that was a practical shot entirely. Uh, until it ends on Maz, and Maz was uh, a, a was a CG character. Um, 
played by Lupita Nyong'o. And what was amazing was that, that you know, ILM had to match everything else around it. And that was the thing that was so, uh, was so cool about about you know having Neil on the on the movie was that you know he and his team, which were an unbelievable group of, of craftspeople, they they made these you know dozens and dozens and dozens of these incredible creatures, uh, and you know you couldn't help but look at each one of them and think, oh my god, this is amazing. I remember we were shooting that scene; it felt like this is what it must be like to shoot a Muppet movie. We had all these puppeteers, you know, hidden under tables. That you know that big giant guy, you know that like. Uh, evil woman, her name is Bazina Tall, she whispers, you know, she, she reports on the droid to the First Order. Um, you know, he was there, uh, five people operating him. That big creature at the trough, uh, when John Boyega goes to drink the water, that was there, that was a, you know, that was five guys in this ridiculous suit in the 130 degree heat in Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, four died that day. No, they didn't die. <laughs> they were literally under this, you know, and in between every take they would, um, they would shove this air conditioning tube. It was really ridiculous to see. But uh, but ha having having all this stuff practically there every time there was something like that, y y the the whole crew and of course the cast getting to interact with these these amazing puppeteered creatures got to have the experience of being in Star Wars as opposed to a fix it in the mix thing, which happens all the time. And and I know that you know George gets a lot of grief for a kind of green screen, blue screen thing. And, and it, I think that it's, it must be said that we wouldn't have been able to do nearly any of the visual effects that we did in this movie had he not done, broken every rule that he did to allow for these visual effects to be discovered and, and used. So it, it was, for me, that you know, a, a great approach to say, okay, we can do anything. We have the, the technology to do so. But what should we do? And what would they have done? And, and to approach almost everything from a point of view of, you know, what's the sort of the most down and dirty way to do it, and then how can we use technology as necessary? Because of course there are more visual effects shots in this movie than in any Star Wars movie prior, and amazing visual effects work. Um, but a lot of the, the CG was to remove things, remove puppeteers and rigs and wires and things. I, mean, I just want to break from the, you know, this movie's doing okay. <laughs> and it was a really good experience, it was fun. But you know, we all, everybody here has, you know, a lifetime to live, a career to live, and what the reality of that career, at least from my experience, is that there's up and down, and that there are moments when you just think, I'm, I'm, I'm finished, this was it, I gave everything I had, and it amounted to nothing, that um, we got so close to being able to do this movie, and then it was ripped away from us, or we're in the middle of the movie, and I'm screwing it up. Have you talked, can you just address what that's like, because we're talking about a very successful weekend you're having here, but it hasn't always been like this. It isn't always like this. And you've been a very successful guy, but you know that that's not about the the um, final box office tallies ever. It's about your feeling of did you achieve what you wanted to achieve? Well, uh, th there have been times when, um, you know, I I've worked on something that, um, well, first of all, we all take jobs we have to take, you know, uh, because we have to, whether it's to uh, you know survive, whether it's a friend who's desperately you know needs something or needs help with something. There are all sorts of reasons why we do certain jobs. But to me, the 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 thing that I've you know I've learned again and again and again, and I, I will continue to learn this is um, you know things I should have done or should have said, uh, not being strong enough to say no, we're not ready. I don't have this yet. I don't have the answer. You know, on the set, I, I you know I, I always try to 
do everything I can to uh, make everyone feel like, you know, we're, we're all doing this together because that's that's what's real. And if I don't have the answer to something, I try to find it as soon as I can. I, I you know, hopefully, uh, and it's, I've been very lucky to work with people who will and do um, help out with the answer that I would never be able to come up with, you know, again and again and again. But, uh, you know, I, I would so much rather um, have worked on something that I thought I, I did my best and gave my all and it failed and know what I did and think, you know, I did then, then have something be successful or work that I thought I kind of phoned it in. And there have been times when I've said yes to things that I, I don't think I should have. And there have been times when I haven't been able to come up with the answer. And I think, what you know, how could I have not made that better or, or, or helped out um, in a more significant way? Um, you know, there are certain things that have been very meaningful. There's a, a, a you know, as a, uh, it just occurs to me, there's a, there was a pilot that we did years ago that was uh, this beautiful pilot written by Rafe uh, Iglesias um, and Tom Schulman about a, a, about cancer doctors. And we did it for HBO, and it was the pilot that I directed. And, I, you know, this was a very personal story for Rafe, and it was a, a, a really, you know, emotional story. And it meant a lot to me because of him. And this was one of those things where I was like, I did my best, and uh, it, it didn't go forward. And, you know... There were there are there are times when like that to me is a is a is a greater failure than a movie that that you know that comes out and it doesn't do a number that people think and and just as I'm truly thrilled uh, that that Force Awakens is is doing well uh, and you know I, I'm the the pride I feel is simply through association of the people who worked on this movie far more than the success of the movie and I I you know I'm 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 so grateful that that you know. People seem to be liking it, but I'm 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 more uh, gratified by having gotten to be part of a group of people that I, I could never have imagined and and worked in, in a way that I, I had never seen before. I can vouch uh, the guy's really a good guy, <laughs> and uh, you know you you when you're um, running an army of people, uh, it's very easy to get impatient, get frustrated, and I never saw it. I never saw. The guys speak an unkind word to anyone, and to me, that is an equal virtue to any other virtue in this movie. He is a <laughs> hell of a guy. I, I, I will say one thing, and, and, and I don't know, I mean, this may or may not be a, of use to you, but it's something that, that I, um, I do every project, and uh, it's, been, it's been helpful, um, which is kind of setting the moral compass a little bit at the very beginning of production and getting all the heads uh, of the department together at the very beginning and not just having a production meeting but literally saying what we're doing is, you know, and we did this like almost verbatim on this movie to say what we're doing here is uh, to some people sacred um, but it's it's just a movie and yet what we, we have to treat this obviously, uh, you know, as importantly as I know that we are as important as we make a movie that we are proud of and we love, that this experience needs to be something uh, of import. That the way we treat each other, and it's just the cardinal rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated, and be there for other people. And 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 it's something that, you know, it's easy to get caught up. It's easy to get freaked out by how many you know hours or minutes you have left, or where the sunlight's going, or what's not working out, or a performance you can't get, or any number of things that, that we all know, uh, you know, happens on any given day. But uh, 
as short as anyone's temper may be or as um, important as a moment may be to get, because it's the last day on the set or whatever the hell it is, <clears throat> when you uh, respect each other, um, uh, it's amazing what gets done. There was a day we were shooting in that, in that uh, puzzle wood, which was the forest I was mentioning earlier that looks fanciful and, and uh, like a set, but it wasn't. And uh, we had to like trudge through this crazy, you know, these enormous tree roots and things, and it was just a very uh, uneven terrain. And it was a real pain in the ass. But these, you know, people were, you know, carrying enormous, uh, you know, material across and boxes and, and uh, track and all sorts of things. And uh, one of the crew members was was saying how, um, you know, they would do anything uh, for me in this movie. Uh, and, and it wasn't because of any other reason than we were all having a really good time. We were all respecting each other. And I, I heard about that and I went over to him. I gave him this huge hug because it was like, that's how I felt for him. You know, like I would do anything. If he told me he needed something, like it was this wonderful familial thing. And I know that it, it sounds sort of Pollyanna-ish and, and it's all, you know, um, flowers and cookies, but it's not that at all. It's a lot of work. But what I've found is that when when you say early on, you know, yes, this is high stakes. Yes, this is really uh, important. Um, when you say uh, respect each other as much as you can, it's the obvious thing, the most obvious thing ever. But when you say it and you see people kind of get it, it's and then you do it. It's amazing how uh, that works. And one other thing I'll say is that, you know, obviously whoever's number one on the call sheet sets the tone no matter who's directing uh, a lot of the times. And um, Harrison Ford, who of course makes it look so easy, uh, worked his ass off uh, and, and was so game and hungry to do great um, on this movie. And he, not only was he great in the, in the film, I think, but uh, what was so cool is he was demonstrating for these new, young, wildly intimidating actors what it is to show grace. And that was amazing to watch. I'm afraid that's all the time we've got. I thank J.J. Abrams. Thank you for coming here today. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this talk. You can watch a video of this entire Q&A on our website at dga.org events. On our website, you can watch all of our recent filmmaker Q&As, as well as a discussion between creator George Lucas and director Christopher Nolan on the impact of Star Wars, conducted in 2011 as part of the Guild's 75th anniversary celebrations. If you are enjoying the director's cut, please subscribe to it on iTunes or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. We hope you hear from us then. This podcast is brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Music is produced by Dan Wally.